Well, let's, let's go to Psalm 84. I want to read verses 4 through 7. Psalms 84, verses 4 through 7. Today I'm talking to you about consistent faith. Not that there is such a thing as inconsistent faith. And because the two words, when you put them together, you realize that, that you really can't have one without the other. There's no such thing as inconsistent faith. The fact is that when we either have faith or we don't, we're either consistent in it or we are wavering in our belief and we need God to strengthen faith in our life. Consistent faith. Psalm 84, verses 4 through 7. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Selah. That just simply means pause and think about that. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Stop and think about that for a moment. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Mighty God, we thank you for your word. We pray your rich blessings upon it. Will you cause us, O Lord, to be strengthened in our faith today, that, God, we will find ourselves consistently walking after you in faithfulness, and we give you the glory and the honor for this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be a child of God? The, the Bible t- teaches us, if you're a real child of God, if you've given your heart to Jesus, it means that you are a, His child. You belong to Him. He is now your Father. He's got His eye on you. He's caring for you. He's watching your life, watching your family, watching out for you, like any good father would do. And the fact is then that uh, we are a truly blessed people because we're not by ourselves. We're not orphans. We have a Father. How many of you are glad that you have a Heavenly Father? Hallelujah. You have not been orphaned. He loves you. He cares about you. His eyes are upon you. We are a blessed people. Uh, this year, as, as uh, we began this year, I began to hear from a lot of the pastors and churches that I help oversee. And many of the ministries, all of them I, I respect, they had a common theme in what God was speaking to them about this year. They were saying things like, this is going to be a year of triumph or this is going to be a year of victory, victory after victory. And I agree with these great men and women of God. And so I didn't want to pour water on the fire that they were feeling. But I did remind them, I felt it was necessary to remind them that though I agree with you and I think it's going to be a great year. How many of you are looking for a great, great year here this year? How many of you want an improvement over last year? Anybody? And so as they were were sharing this with me, I, I realized that during this year of victory, I cannot be so blind as to ignore the fact that there will also be battles that we face in this coming year. The fact is, you, if you're saying that you're going to experience victories this year, it means that you're going to have a battle. <laughs> oh, that's tough, isn't it? It's like, wow. If I'm going to have a victory, then I've got to have a battle to have a victory from. And, and so there will be battles. There will be some things that you will face in this uh, coming year. There'll be some valleys and there'll be some tears. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, in every previous year of my life, and there have been a few, I have experienced both births and burials, 
sunshine and shadow. I haven't had a single year where it's only been sunshine or only new babies and no funerals to perform. Only, only weddings and births. No, that, that didn't happen. Not in a single year of my ministry or in my life. There have been both births and burials, sunshine and shadow, battles and victories. But you know, I've, it means that I've also experienced the joy that's on the other side of victory. And it means that I've discovered that there is a joy on the other side of my sorrows as well. As a matter of fact, there is a joy even in the midst of my sorrows. The sun rises again. Long nights have always come to an end in my life. I've discovered victory even in my tears. I've found God to be faithful in every season of my life. Winter seasons, fall seasons, can somebody shout hallelujah, the spring and the summer seasons. God has always been faithful no matter what I've experienced in my life. Our God is an awesome God, and He is a consistently faithful God. You can count, He doesn't grow inconsistent in His faithfulness towards you in times of winter or in times of hardship or in times of sorrow. No, He draws even closer to you in times of sorrow. The Bible tells us that God is with those who weep, those who are experiencing sorrow, those who are going to, through difficult times, that He actually draws nearer to us in those times. Aren't you glad that we, He is our comforter, that He comes alongside us, that He puts His arm around us, that He does not abandon us in difficult times? And so the beauty is that He is faithful and He is consistent. But I've also noticed that God desires His people to be faithful. He desires His people to be consistent, even in the darkest of times. It is our consistent faithfulness that becomes our greatest testimony to the world around us. It's so important that we walk with faithfulness. Our world is filled with fickle people, inconsistent people, covenant breakers. We live in what I've always called a walk-away world. People walk away from commitments. They walk away from covenants. They walk away from one another. There, there are many who give up long before the fight is ever over. They give up in the midst of battles. They give up at the very outset of a fight or a battle or a difficult time. They just throw in the towel. They turn to other things. They turn away from God. And they may turn to alcohol or, or drugs or something else to fill that void and kind of help them cope. But the truth is you don't need any of those things. What you actually need is you need the Lord. You need to be faithful in those times and consistent in those times. And He will come along and strengthen you and support you. He is always faithful. He is always consistent. It's you and I sometimes that back away from our, our faithfulness. And so this morning, I want to I talk about what it means to be consistently faithful. Consistently faithful. There's got to be a little bit of fight in you. you you got to toughen up. If you're already offended at me this morning, <laughs> you're just a witness to, <laughs> to what I'm sharing. If it's that easily to get you upset and you're angry just because I tell you you need to be consistent... <laughs> then you've got a problem. And the Lord wants to address that today. You know, when, uh, when my father was raising me, I remember one, uh, we moved a lot. And uh, my goodness, a lot. And so uh, we were in Indiana, and I was going to a new school. And, and every day I was being bullied around, southern accent, 
in the north. Everybody noticed it. I was get, <laughs> getting picked on a little bit. Next thing you know, uh, I'm, being, uh, I'm in fights, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm running. And there's this, there's this one little five-member gang that was really giving me most of the pressure. And they were chasing me home, I mean, every day, chasing me home day after day. Well, one day I got home, and I came in breathless. My dad was home early. And so I come running in the door, and I've got a couple scratches from where I've climbed and ran and went over fences and that kind of thing. And when I came in, my dad said, what in the world's going on? And I, so I broke down and I told him. And he said, tomorrow, if you come back running from those boys, you'll have to face me. I'll whoop you if you come back running from those boys. Now, some of you are already offended again, just because you know. <laughs> but, so I, I, I feared Daddy more than I feared them. So when I got, I got to leaving the school, they, ch- they take off after me, and we go about a block or two, and, I'm, and, and all the while I'm thinking about Daddy. I, when I get home, I've got to face Daddy. And so I started to jump this little picket fence, and when I went over it, one of the boards came off in my hand. And when it came off in my hand, I pictured Daddy. I turned around with my eyes closed and started swinging at those fellas. Man, I, and when I opened my eyes, they were all gone. I was, and not one more day did they... See, some of us just keep running and we never stop and put up a fight. Isn't it about time that you told the devil, I'm not running anymore, I'm not giving up anymore, I am going to be faithful and consistent. There's got to be a little something on the inside of you, a little fight back, a a, a little determination, a little stamina to go on in God. It's not always going to be easy. There are going to be trials. But how many of you are determined to live for Jesus and to be faithful to God and and to stand in your walk with God? And so we need consistency. What a testimony it is. Consistency with God and your walk with God is your most powerful witness. Consistency in your marriage Consistency on your job, consistency in your integrity, consistency in character. Consistency is the stuff of faithfulness. Why? Because, well, first of all, life itself is a journey. In Psalm 84 and verse 5 in our text, let's go back and take a look at it. It said, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. This is what was many of the saints uh, in that day called a song of ascent. They were on their way to Jerusalem, on their way to church for the times of their gathering as a body of people. And so they would make their way there, and, and that's why it says their, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. That's why the previous verse says, Blessed are those who are dwell in the house of God, because they were going to the house of God. They were on their way to the house of the Lord. And as they're coming from all across the country, coming together together to worship God, this psalm is is called a song of ascent because the last part of the journey was an uphill journey to Mount Zion. And so they would walk for miles and miles in Bible times just to meet together. Can I say to you as Christians, we are blessed to be able to worship together in God's house. Is there anybody grateful for the house of God today? In Psalm 84 and verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. You and I, too, are on a long journey. You and I, too, are on a long journey to God's house. 
Even if you're watching online today or you're observing this online and and you're watching the service from your home, the truth is that one day we're going somewhere that you cannot zoom in. You'll have to make that journey. You'll have to make that journey to the house of God. Because in that journey, when we leave this life, we will all go together to a place, a new Jerusalem, the city coming down from God, our heavenly home. Some are already there. Some are already in His presence. Some are already worshiping God. The older I get, I have as many people, I've got to tell you, I have as many people worshiping God already there as I know in this life worshiping Him here. I have friends and family members and pastors and mentors and fathers in the faith who are right now in the presence of God, worshiping God, waiting on me to get there. I'm still on my pilgrimage. I'm still on my way. I'm still on my journey to the house of God. Can somebody shout glory? And so this house, this house, this local church, this local place of worship is a place I get to come. And I I think about it every time I'm in worship. I think about how that I'm not worshiping by myself in this room. I haven't gathered here by myself. But outside this room, as well as in this room, there are saints worshiping God with me. But we're just practicing. We're just getting ready. Because on the other side, while we were worshiping this morning, those that have gone on before, already in that house of God, can somebody shout hallelujah? They're already praising God, already worshiping God with us. Hallelujah. We're not alone, even in our worship services. That's what's so awesome. And that's why I urge folks, if you're sick, if you're shut in, if you can't get to the house of God, by all means, watch online. But if you can get yourself up and get yourself dressed for heaven's sakes, you cannot just sit around the house all the time. My Lord, listen to this. We're working from home. We're eating from home. We don't want to leave the house to eat. We don't even have to get groceries by getting in our car and going. We can order our groceries in. We can stay in the house. We can live in the house. We can work in the house. But God help us to get up and get out of the house. Come on. Isn't it time we get out of the house and we worship the Lord? One day you're going to have to leave the living room, leave your pajamas and put on a white robe in the presence of God. I've gone to meddling. As Christians, we're blessed to worship together. Why the saints of Bible times would walk for miles and miles and miles. On the mission field today, when I'm on the mission field, they still walk for miles and miles and miles to get to a place to worship God, to magnify God together in a corporate atmosphere of worship, just practicing for heaven. Some have already appeared before God in Zion, and they're in the immediate presence of Almighty God, busy in worship. Our text says in Psalm 84 and 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Stop and think about that. Also, I think we need to be consistent in life's journey. Again, in Psalm 84, 5, look back at it again. It says, Blessed is the man whose strength in you is in you, whose heart is set. Everybody say, their heart is set. 
their heart is set on the journey. The revised version says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. In their heart, they're on their way to God's house. I'm not there with my fathers in the faith yet. But soon I will be. In my heart, the highway there is already set. And my heart is set on this journey. I'm not quitting. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not giving up. I've come too far to quit now. Can somebody shout, thank you, Jesus? So the question becomes, is your heart set on finishing the journey? In whose heart are the highways to Zion? In Psalm 112, verse 7, the Bible says that this person, that they shall not be afraid of evil tidings because it says his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Is your heart fixed? Is your heart set on finishing the journey? You're not afraid of evil tidings, not afraid of what the world says, not afraid of the things you go through in life. You're not afraid of more bad news. You're not afraid of what they're saying on the 24-7 news channels. You're not living in constant nervous fear. No, your heart is set. Your heart is set on finishing your journey. You are trusting in the Lord. And then another thought under that is, are your affections set above? Is your heart set on finishing the journey? And are your affections set on things above? In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. If I'm going to be consistent in my walk with God, consistent in my faithfulness, I have to set my heart on finishing the journey. I have to set my affection on things above. My greatest desires are not for the things of this world. I take nothing out of this life with me. There's no U-Haul behind the hearse. You're not going to take anything with you out of this life. And so you set your affection on things above, not on the things of this earth. They pass away. They're temporary. And then, is your praise set? Is your praise set? I love Psalm 57, 7, one of my favorite verses. It says, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to be consistent in my faithfulness, I've got to fix my heart. I've got to set my heart. I have to set my affections, my desires, my mind on praising God and worshiping God and living for God and loving Jesus. And some of you may be saying, but you don't understand. Life's journey is filled with a lot of difficulties. Well, that's why Psalm 84, 5 is followed with verse 6. In verse 6, it says, as they passed through the valley of Baca. This is interesting because as the children of God came on their way to meet together to worship God at His house in Jerusalem, on the way there, they would go through a valley, the valley of Baca, which was the valley of tears, the valley of, of weeping, the valley of proving. And so every time they would go, they would go through it. But the Bible says that as they pass through the valley of Baca on their way to worship God, they make it a spring. You know, you can make the valley of weeping a spring. You can make it a place where you stop and you, you drink and you're refreshed in those valleys of sorrow. You let God come in and refresh you and strengthen you in your walk. You don't give in, you don't throw in the towel, you don't walk away, but instead you recommit, you recovenant, you take a little break there at the Valley of Baca and you drink from the springs and you get back on your journey. Hallelujah. But you don't throw in the towel. It's, it's a place of weeping. All of us go through times of weeping, valleys of weeping. 
Do not even imagine that there will be no tears shed on your journey. There will be tears and there will be great seasons of joy. The, the valley of Baca isn't a dwelling place. That's what's good. It's, it's a place where we pass through. they passing through the valley of tears. Passing through the valley of Baca, the Bible says. So it isn't a dwelling place. We're not made to. God didn't design us to live in tears, live in sorrow, live in regret, live in the past. No, God has designed us to pass through those places. So in your heart and mind, you may stop and rest a while. You may grieve in those moments, but you've got to make up your mind. I'm just passing through this time of sorrow. It will not last forever. As a matter of fact, I'm not built to stay here forever. I have my heart fixed on worshiping God at his house in Zion. Hallelujah. So I'm just passing through this valley of sorrow. Hallelujah. That's an awesome thought. Abraham and Sarah, you remember, they're a great example. They received the promise of a son when Abraham was 75 years old and they journeyed through decades of valleys and waiting, 75, 85, 95. Finally, when he's 99 years old, God renews his covenant. And when he is 100 years old, oh, the joy and the laughter when Isaac was finally born. Isaac's very name meant laughter. <laughs> oh, it'll end. It will end. The promises that God has made to you, he'll keep them. The sorrow of, of life, the difficulties of life, the tears, they come to an end. Sorrow, weeping may endure for a night, the psalmist said, but joy comes in the morning. All of this is just meant to pass through when you go through a difficult... As a matter of fact, life itself on this journey is a time of just passing through. We are pilgrims here on a pilgrimage. We're headed to another place. Our citizenship is in heaven with God. And so this life is temporary. It isn't my permanent dwelling place. I'm ready to move forward. And, and, and what God does in these times, this is what's amazing to me. When God does in these times and valleys that we're in, He's lovingly shaping you. Turn to someone beside you and say, you need to get in shape. <laughs> I'm not a, you're a physical fitness trainer. I'm just a pastor, but I don't know about that part, but... I do know that our Heavenly Father, according to Jeremiah 18, that He's a potter and He takes us like clay and He puts us on the wheel and He begins to shape us. And, and as in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18, you are in the loving Heavenly Father's hand. You're in the hollow of His warm hands and He is squeezing quality into your life. You are being shaped to express God's image. And if this journey leads you through a valley, it's not to destroy you. It's just to qualify you. It's just to empower you. God might strip away your carnality to carve you into his image. Sometimes our vessel is marred on the wheel and God feels something that isn't the way it should be. And we serve a God that doesn't just say, that's all right. We'll just paint over that, gloss over that. No, instead the Bible says he takes us off the wheel, reaches back down into the clay, and makes us again another brand new vessel. Isn't it exciting that our God doesn't give up on us? Sometimes you give up on changing, but we serve a God who knows full well what he's capable of, and he's still working on you. Aren't you thankful that he's still working on you? <laughs> he hadn't finished with you. 
<laughs> you know, people get finished with you a long time before God finishes with you. And so he shapes you and he, he qualifies you and he empowers you and he makes you capable to fulfill his vision for your life. Never surrender in the valley because it isn't your destiny. You're not finished. Never give up in the valley of tears or sorrow because that's not where you're supposed to wind up. God's bringing you through. You're just passing through the valley of sorrow. And on the other side, God brings you out of it. On the other side, God shapes you and makes you who he wants you to be. And you're changing. You're becoming what God has called you to be. He isn't finished with you yet. So don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't surrender. God's still working on you. Aren't you thankful that he's still working on you? And when others have given up on you, God's still working on you. When you sometimes feel like giving up on yourself, God says, no, don't do it. Get back up. Take a drink in this valley of tears and keep on walking because this is not your destination. This is a valley you're passing through. I'll bring you to the other side. You know, in my, in my experience in my life, in my Christian walk, oh my goodness, I wish I could tell you there were no valleys. You know, sometimes folks may look at your life and think, boy, they've had it made. But I can't, uh, I can't tell you our whole story. I, 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 you don't have the time, neither do I. We, my wife and I were homeless for a few years. We lived out of our car. Um, I've stood by... My wife's side as we buried her mother when she was just 52. Her father has passed away. My dad is gone to be with the Lord. I've been to my share of funerals. And in, trust me, in 29 years pastoring, I've buried a few people as well. Oh, I've shed some tears. I've wept. I've wept before God around these very altars at my own struggles with my flesh. I've repented before him time after time after time. But I got back up. I wiped the tears from my eyes as I walked away from grave sites and said, I'm on a journey. This is a pilgrimage. I'm just passing through this valley. I'll experience joy in the morning. Can somebody shout hallelujah? And God comes along. God strengthens you and he carries you forward. Even in the valley, never surrender. Let me say this lastly. God is still God even in the valley. It would be great to go into a lot of references for this, but let me just mention a, a few. First, let me mention 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 23. Years ago, I wrote a song about this verse, preached a message by the title, God is God in the Valley. The scripture says there, the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, their gods are gods of the hills, speaking of God's people. That's why they... We're stronger than we. That's why they beat us in that last battle, they're saying. Because they're God. We went and fought them in the hills, and that's where their God is God. But they said, let us fight them again in the plain, in the valleys, because surely we will be stronger than them. <laughs> you know, a lot of Christians are like that. They're just like those, that Syrian army that day. They have mountaintop faith. God is God on the mountain long as things are going good in my life, hallelujah, let's get our praise on. Let's dance before the Lord, magnifying God good. But then they get in a valley and they, 
They've only got mountaintop faith. They don't have consistency. They, they can just trust on the mountain. They trust when everything is going good. They can't love God the same way. They can't worship God the same way as they can when they're having a mountaintop experience. We need to be more consistent than that. We need to show God that we love Him more than that. We need to demonstrate our humanity before Him, but at the same time say, God, you're still God. I might be weeping, but you're still God in this valley. You're God in the valley. You're God in the mountain. You're God all over. You're God all over the world at all times. And so I don't want to have just a mountaintop faith. I want to experience the faithfulness and consistency of God even in life's valleys. And I have. In 1 Kings in chapter 20, verse 28, the Bible says, <laughs> look at this. See, God overheard it, that challenge. He's God only in the hills and not in the valleys. And so God sent a prophet to them. And the prophet comes to them in verse 28, 1 Kings 20, 28, and says, And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God says, let me just show you that I'm God in the valley, not just God on the mountaintop. Is it possible that the valley you're going through is just God saying, let me show you my love, my faithfulness, my consistency in this valley like I did for you on the mountaintop? My, my. And that's where God, He doesn't just demonstrate His consistency. He proves our consistency in this valley of Baca, which means weeping or proving. <laughs> so God proves himself faithful, but he also wants us to see consistency in our own life. I think of Job 13 and 15 that says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Think about this. Let me give you three quick valley victories here. 1 Samuel 17, did you know that that's it was a valley where David defeated Goliath in the valley of Elah. Did you know that it was in a valley in Genesis 14 and 17 that Abraham was given victory over all the kings that had came in and their armies? Abraham wasn't a king. He wasn't a ruler. He didn't have an army. He just took a bunch of his good old boys and went out and whipped kings and their armies in the valley of Sheba. And then in Joshua 10, verse 12 and 13, Joshua is fighting in the valley of Ajalon, the Bible says. And there he looks and says, God, we've been fighting all day. We need a little more daylight. In other words, I'm not asking you to get me out of this valley. Give me a little more time in this valley. Make the sun shine just a little bit longer in this valley because I need a little bit more time to whoop up on my enemies. I want complete victory over my adversary. So would you extend this day? And God made the sun stand still <laughs> in a valley. Would you stand with me? All those victories were in valleys. Psalm 84, verse 6, 7, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. I want to pray for you before we close. I want to ask God, some of you today I know are facing some kind of valley. You've come into this new year wishing it was different. and You're facing some 
the same stuff. Maybe it's in your marriage or your family, your finances, your own personal walk with God. You're fasting and praying and you're saying, God, I, I want to see change in my own life, change in my circumstances. And you feel like it's not happening fast enough. Sometimes when that happens, we're, we're kind of like those folks that join the gym. Pastor Robbie talked about it. Every new year, there's, the gym packs out. So you wait about three or four weeks and it thins out. Everybody makes these commitments, but nobody wants to be consistent. And so God is asking us as we head into this year, be consistent. Be consistent. It may take longer than you think to get a little in shape for me to shape you. But if you'll stay consistent, you'll get through this valley. I'll bring you out on the other side. The weeping will only endure for a night. I'll give you victory. Stay consistent. Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now. I know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I recognize that you are everywhere at all times and under all circumstances. Father, forgive us because it's been so easy to sing on the mountain with a song and a smile. Help me be consistent in the valleys. God, I know that Peter found you to be God when his very shadow was healing the sick. But you were still God when Peter was crucified upside down. Paul knew you to be God in visions of the third heaven. But you were also God when he was being beheaded in Rome. John, you knew you to be God on the Mount of Transfiguration. But he also knew you as God on the prison island called Patmos. James knew you to be a God of miracles and healings, but he also knew you were the same God when he was taken from prison and put to death by Herod. Father, there is a lesson for us as your people today. We need to stay consistent. We need to toughen up a little bit. Some of us have been so weak in our faith. Cause us to be more consistent. And today, while heads are bowed, I want to I want to say if you have been inconsistent, if you haven't been able to maintain a faith and confidence in God, I want you to believe today that God can take you, even though you may be broken, and shape you into a vessel of honor. You see, God wants to promote you. It's broken soil that brings forth fruit, broken clouds that bring much-needed rain, broken seeds that bring life from the soil. A broken alabaster box anointed the feet of Jesus for burial. A broken Simon Peter became a rock for Christ. Oh, just allow the Lord today to take your life, though it may be broken, and use you for His honor and glory. Would you just lift your hands to Him right now and say, God, put me back on the wheel. I'm not giving up. Continue shaping me and make me into what you want me to be. I'm yours, Lord. I'm always yours, completely yours.